Welcome to today's broadcast of Sun, Salt, and Light. Sun, Salt, and Light, S-O-N, knowing and growing in your daily relationship with Jesus Christ, but also being the salt and the light in your marriage, in your family, at your place of work, at your church, and even in the community you're in. I'm Pastor Michael Petit. This is a radio ministry of our church, Calvary Chapel Divine, here in Divine, Texas. We are so glad that you joined us for today's broadcast. We are a Calvary Chapel, so we simply teach the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter. We believe that God uses His Word to transform, restore, and to change lives one verse at a time. If you're visiting our area, you'd like to get information about our church or church service times, maybe even track down some of the other teachings that we have available through podcasts, whether it's through Audible or Spotify or Apple Podcasts, you can do all of that at our church website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. Today we'll be in the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, verses 15 through 23. The title of this sermon is, That You May Know What Is the Hope to which he has called you. Here is the first half of this two-part study. And and one of the things we talked about is, is Paul had this letter and it was a circulatory letter, meaning that it was meant to be given to all the churches. And so this letter is written to us, even though you go, man, it's written way back when. It's for you as well. And, and I love this because what we have is, like I was saying, you have Paul who's going from a doxology, which just means speaking glory. He's speaking glory about God, and then he's moved to prayer. He's, it's a beautiful piece of scripture, and, and you know, Paul had begun in verse, uh, in verse 3 all the way to 14, one of the longest sentences of the Bible, uh, run-on sentences. I used to get in trouble for those in school. I got, Paul didn't, so I was like, man, if Paul can get away with it, I should be able to, right? But uh, Paul was, was giving thanks in verses 3 through 14. He was thanking the Father. He was thanking the Father for the love that God had before time. Before time. And then he was thanking God for sending Jesus in time. And then he thanks the Father for sending the Spirit as we move through time. And so Paul is, is now uh, going to enter into prayer and, it, and, and it's moved by hearing the faith of the people that he spent three years with in Ephesus. He hears of their faith, and it moves them to prayer. So we look at verses 15 and 16, heard of your faith. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15, it says, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints. So the evidence that we see is... is and I guess one of the questions that we could ask you, has anybody heard of your faith, of your love? Think about that just for a second. Like, you probably know somebody in your life where you go, man, I know that person. I know how they're walking with God, man. They're very loving. But do the people know you for that? And so what we see is, is we see them coming and, and knowing about the faith. It says, I have heard of your faith and your and the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints. And Paul opens the, uh, the book of Colossians very similarly because, you know, the Colossians was another one of the prison epistles. We have to remember that Paul was writing this in, in prison. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 3 and 4, it says, We give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have 
for all the saints. You can imagine Paul is sitting in prison and Paul is being encouraged because he's remembering the faces, the people that he spent those three years with. We know he spent the three years because if we can look at Acts chapter 20, verse 31, it says, Therefore watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn you that every, uh, warn everyone night and day with tears. He's in prison. And the thing that he's being encouraged by is that he's realizing that the church in Ephesus is bearing fruit. They're bearing fruit. They, it, it's evident. The evidence is there and it's encouraging him. He's knowing that the Word of God is active in their life, that the Holy Spirit is moving in their life. He's hearing of it, and he's encouraged. And it's two things that we see there that is the foundation uh, is our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and the love that we have towards one another. Those are two things that every Christian must have. Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, that's the insurance and the belief, and then the love that he's talking about is, again, the agape love. And that's that sacrificial love. And I told y'all, like, when you think about love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, when you're doing that, that, that agape love pours out of you. That agape love pours into your marriage. That agape love pours into your family. It pours into the church and into the community. He's reminded of their faith, and it's the same faith that, that Joshua was, was given when Moses, uh, when Joshua has to lead after Moses' death. In Joshua chapter 1, verse 3, Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. It's faith. It's a simple act of believing in the gospel of Jesus Christ. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3, it says, For I delivered you, uh, for I deliver to you first of all uh, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. In a verse that we'll be going over next week in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So what is the object of our faith? It should be the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where our, 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 our eyes should be on. And so many people, when we think about it, is we find joy in that. We, we are to reflect Christ and be the light in the, in the world. And, and so our faith is understanding that, that it's salvation that was provided by Jesus Christ. It tells us in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, that if you confess with your mouth of the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. The gospel is, is simply understanding that Christ died for us, that he died for the sins of this world, that he died on the cross, and that he rose from the dead and defeated death, defeated sin. And if you believe that, you can be saved. You have to believe that. There's no other way but Jesus. You'll hear, I, I, man, there's so many people nowadays, it used to just be Oprah. When I was coming up, it was just Oprah. Now it's everybody. Everybody thinks all roads lead to heaven, and they don't. There's only one way, it's Jesus Christ. That's it. And so now you have faith, now you have to have the love, the agape love. It is, it, it is how we are to be known. 
as Christians, that self-sacrificing love in 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 12, it says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. And he who does not love, love does not know God, for God is, God is love. In this, in this love of God was manifested towards us, that God has sent his, uh, his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. In this love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be a propitiation for our sins. Beloved God, so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love has been perfected in us. In John 13, verses 34 through 35, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. If we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is based upon love. If we look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and, and 23, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love. You have to have love, that agape love, before you produce joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. We should be known for our love. And not just together as this church, but beyond this church. You know, we were, we, were at the, we were at a conference last week for discipleship at First Baptist. I taught on parenting, discipleship and parenting. And I, I was trying to tell people, you realize that you're going to be in heaven with them. Like, have you, like, oh, no, no, we got to do our thing. And it's like, no, it's, <laughs> you've got to understand, like, we need to love each other. And, and that's the reality of it. But it, 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 again, the fruit of the Spirit begins with love. So if there's no love in you, there's no agape love in you, you're not going to produce the fruit of the Spirit. It's going to be evident. People are going to know. So it requires faith and love. But then look at verse 16, what happens in Ephesians chapter 1. It says, I do not give thanks for you. I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Like Paul is, is constantly giving thanks for them, praying for them. He's remembering them and praying for them. So his faith, as he's in prison, okay? So Christians, get this. You are going to go through trials and suffering and tribulation. This life has plenty of it. That's whether you're following Christ or not. But you have Christ. This man's in prison, writing this epistle to encourage the churches. And he's encouraged because he hears about the faith of the believers in the church of Ephesus. He's, he, he's like, man, I, I'm hearing about their love. I'm hearing about their faith. I'm hearing about how they're walking with Jesus Christ and they're doing the work of the Lord. And he starts to pray. He starts to pray. Paul gives thanks and he begins interceding for them. He does the same in Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. I, I, thank, my, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you always in my prayer of mine, making requests for you all with joy. We are to be praying without ceasing. Our, our, our prayer is a way for us to communicate with God. The other way that God communicates with us is His Word. His Word. And, and, and so 
as if we are going to be disciples of, of Christ, we need to be we need to be praying. If we're going to be followers of Christ, we need to be praying. You know, that was the one thing that the disciples asked. They asked Jesus, like, teach us how to pray. Not teach me how to be a great expositor of the Word of God. Teach me how to pray. His prayer life was so evident. He would take off away from the crowd, up early in the morning praying, communicating with God. In Luke chapter 11, verse 1, it says, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 6 through 15, it says, But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard uh, for their many words. Do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask. I want you to ponder that for a second. Because I, I can already, if, if I'm, a, I'm a, you know, in high school being a smart aleck, I'd be like, well, then why am I praying if he already knows what I need? Because he wants to hear from you. Because you're his children. You're his son. You're his daughter. Many of us who are, uh, you know, I don't have family here. I have my kids, but my, my family's back in South Carolina. My dad's birthday is today. And so when I, when I think about that, I'm like, I would love to spend time with my dad today. But God has me here. But the, the, the reality of it is, is like, we have to understand, like, he, my, I, I still want to hear from my father today. And I'm thinking my, my father wants to hear from his son today, too. It's his birthday. But see, God is saying, like, I, I know what you're going to ask before you ask it, but I want to hear from you. In verse 9, it says, Then pray like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us of our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if, if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Well, there's a whole teaching on forgiveness right there. Power of prayer. We seek God. We ask God for His wisdom. We ask God for His direction. We, we're, we're seeking God. You know, it, it is, I, I can tell you every almost every victory that I've ever had in my life has come from a, a time of deep prayer. And, and most of my defeats are when I was lackadaisical about the prayer life as a young Christian. Ah, I'll get to it. Well, I didn't pray. It's been a couple days. And then you get hit. Life hits you. Why is it that we are just prayer warriors when we're getting hit with life? When suffering happens, when trials happen, when those phone calls are happening, hey, so-and-so sick, why is it? Why isn't our prayer life uh, deep all the time? Why does it have to be just when we're going through adversity? You know, even when we don't know what to pray, the Holy Spirit gives us what we, we should pray. And in Romans chapter 8, verse 26, it says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. You know, sometimes when we're on the prayer team, all we get is pray for so-and-so. 
I have no clue what's going on with so-and-so, right? But the Holy Spirit and God does. And so I'm like, Lord, I don't know what's happening. You do whatever you need to do. If it's to bring them to you, if it's to, if it's to draw them back, whatever it is, Lord, you do it. You know what their needs are. But you still pray for them. The Holy Spirit knows. There are times when you don't know what to pray. You're broken. You're hurting. And the Holy Spirit knows. It's a beautiful thing. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 16 says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. You come boldly to the throne of grace. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, a verse that we're all very familiar with, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your request be made known, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and, your, and minds through Christ Jesus. He's like, the thing that you're anxious about, everything come to me in prayer. Bring it to me. Bring it to me. And I love that he says, with thanksgiving. Well, I don't know what to be thankful for. You're breathing. There's one. Right? You have an opportunity to pray. There's another. Like, there, we, we, we can be so hard on ourselves, but we need to be people of prayer. And then now we go into the prayer as we look at hearts and light in our second point in verse 17. It says that the glory of your Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and the revelation and the knowledge of him. I love that term, the, the Father of glory. He is the only one whom glory belongs to. No one else. That's it. The Father of glory. And he's saying that he will give you... Uh, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. The Holy Spirit, in John 16, verses 13 through 15, and Jesus was saying, however, when, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you the things to come. He will glorify me, for all will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said, he will take of mine and declare it to you. It's the Spirit, the Holy Spirit that gives wisdom, that gives revelation to the knowledge of God. And the problem that we have is like when we read that, that he, he guides you to truth. But sometimes you don't want the truth. Sometimes you want to be, and this is probably the biggest disease in the, in the Christian life, is self-reliance. Self-reliant, you're too, you're too dependent on yourself. You're too dependent on, oh, I, can, I got this. God, you go ahead, I, I got it. That's not how this works. It's like he's guiding you to truth. He's directing you. Like he's trying to show you, but it's, the, it's your self-reliance that causes the issues. And I love that he says that the Spirit gives wisdom and revelation. I need all the wisdom I can get. I'm not a bright guy. I don't claim to be one. I hear pastors teach, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. Man, that's awesome. Like, that's not me. I, can't, I try to make it as simple as I can make it because I want everybody to understand it. Because I remember when I first came to faith, and some of the stuff was going right over my head. I was like, but I love that he gives us the, the, the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And it's Daniel chapter 2, verse 19, when Daniel is there trying to, you know, his, like, I'll find out, Nebuchadnezzar, what this dream is. Let me go to God. What this statue is, 
And, and Daniel prays. And Daniel was a man of prayer. In Daniel chapter 2, verse 19, it says, Then the secret was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. So Daniel blessed the God of heaven. It was revealed. He went to God and it was revealed. In Isaiah eleven two, it says, The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The Spirit of wisdom and understanding. The Spirit of counsel and might. The Spirit of knowledge and of fear of the Lord. It's the Spirit of wisdom and understanding. It's the Spirit and the wisdom of revelation and the knowledge of Him. Revelation, actually in the Greek, all it means is to take the lid off. To have something that's secret. And now the truth's been revealed. That's what the word means in the Greek. And in the knowledge of Him, the revelation of Him, of God. In Daniel chapter 11, verse 32, He says, He shall seduce with flattery those who violate the covenant, but the people who know their God shall stand firm and take action. Like, you have to understand, like, you have an audience with the God who's trying to show you revelation, trying to give you wisdom, and this is the same God who created everything. And He's wanting time with you to show you more it's not about just raising your hand and oh i got my ticket to heaven that's not how this works what i mean by that is god wants to use you here your eternity starts here the moment that you give your heart to christ and you confess your sin god wants to use you for the kingdom of god in colossians chapter 1 verse 9 it says for this reason we also since the day we heard it do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. And he's not asking for you just to, to know it, but he's asking you for, to, to, to have the knowledge means to have literal, literal understanding of it. To have literal understanding. To actually be able to obtain it. Remember I told you all this past Wednesday night, it's, you can either do the performance thing where you just show up and perform, or you can seek the presence of God in your life. Like, I want the presence of God in my life. I don't want to take a step without the presence of God in my life. You can perform. You can come here and, oh, hallelujah, praise God, man. Good to see you. Everything's good. And then you go home and it's a train wreck. That's a performance. You can perform in ministry. Oh, man, I'm here. I'm steady. I'm good to go. And then you're, you're a train wreck. It's like, no, I want to have the presence of God in my life, and that's what I want for you. I want you to know Him, but to know Him intimately. Intimately. Like He wants to know you. And that's, that's important for us to understand. It's, it is sometimes, man, let me tell you something. I know a lot of people who have the spirit of wisdom, but have no revelation of God. What I mean by that is they, they can quote you scripture. Man, they could out-teach me. Monday through Sunday, but their lives are a train wreck. It's all head knowledge. What God is trying to do is to get you to take it literal, meaning that it's heart knowledge, that you know Him intimately. Like I've been with my wife 37 years, I know her intimately. I know what she likes to eat, I know what she doesn't like, I know when that face comes on that I better back away, I know all that stuff. But I'm still learning even after 37 years, still. And that's how our relationship with God is. It's like we should be learning and seeking to learn more about God. Yes, the Word of God is important. It's something that should be in your life daily. 
Obedience to the Word of God, application to the Word of God. You read it, you're obedient to it, you apply it in your life. And no, it's not for your... You know, I heard one pastor share this past week, if you want revival, you draw a circle around yourself. That's where revival begins. Don't draw a circle around your wife and go, okay, now that's where revival needs to begin. That's not how that works. Revival begins with you. It begins with the person standing in the mirror. And he's wanting to, in verse 18, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. That's why we picked that song, Open the Eyes of My Heart, Lord. It, it, is, it is the enlightenment, wanting to know who God is. Now, unfortunately, the word enlightened is a New Ageism word. But we need to look at it as what it means in the Greek when Paul wrote this. It means to, to bring light to something that was not clear. Like he's lighting it up. Like I'm going to show you the path. This is the way that you go. I'm going to open up the, the knowledge and wisdom of who I am. I'm shining light on it. In Psalm 119, 18, it says, Open my eyes that I may see your wondrous things from your law. He opens our eyes. He gives us enlightenment. We know that from Acts chapter 16, verse 14. Now a certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira who worshiped God. And I want you to catch this. The Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. She worshiped God, but when Paul spoke about Jesus Christ, her heart were open. Well, that concludes today's broadcast of Sun, Salt, and Light Radio. We hope that you enjoyed it. If you'd like to submit a prayer request or get in contact with us to find out service times, you can do all of that at our website, uh, as well as get uh, our podcast at Spotify, Audible, TuneIn Radio. Pretty much wherever you can find a podcast, uh, you, you can just type in Sun, Salt, and Light, and you'll find it. 